What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 37. Jeff Chilton, mushroom expert on why you should be eating more mushrooms. When it's dinner time, I got something you should try. It's crunchy, green, and yummy, and it's about to blow your mind. It's low on calories, and it looks like mini trees. When you're having dinner with me, broccoli. Dr. Yami Kazorla Lancaster, board certified pediatrician, certified food for life cooking and nutrition instructor, certified well coach, and passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant based nutrition habit formation, behavior change, and motivation so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you keep coming back as a regular listener. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Happy Sunday, veggie lovers. I hope that you're doing great and that you've had a wonderful week and ready to start your new week off fresh. Do you like mushrooms? I love mushrooms. I think I said many times in this interview how much I love mushrooms. I hope you like mushrooms. If you don't, I hope that after listening to this episode, you will be willing to try them again, maybe in a different way, cooked in a different way. This week's episode, I talked to Jeff Chilton. He was raised in the Pacific Northwest. He studied ethnomycology at the University of Washington in the late 60s and started working on a commercial mushroom farm in Olympia, Washington in 1973. During the next 10 years, he became the production manager responsible for the cultivation of over 2 million pounds of agaricus mushrooms per year and was also involved in the research and development of shiitake, oyster, and noki mushrooms, which resulted in the earliest U.S. fresh shiitake sales in 1978. In the late 70s, he was a founder of Michael Media 
which held four mushroom conferences in the Pacific Northwest. These educational conferences brought together educators and experts in the mushroom identification, ethnomycology, and mushroom cultivation. And during this period, Jeff co-authored the highly acclaimed book, The Mushroom Cultivator, which was published in 1983. In the 1980s, he operated a mushroom spawn business, and in 1989, he started Namex, a business that introduced medicinal mushrooms to the U.S. nutritional supplement industry. Traveled extensively in China during the 1990s, attending conferences and visiting research facilities and mushroom farms. In 1997, he organized the first organic mushroom production seminar in China. His company, Namex, was the first to offer a complete line of certified organic mushroom extract to the U.S. nutritional supplement industry. And his extracts are used by many supplement companies and are noted for their high quality based on scientific analysis of the active compounds. It was really a treat to talk with Jeff this week and to learn more about mushrooms. Lots of little things I didn't know about them that I think you will find interesting as well. And I hope that you see how incredibly healthy and valuable mushrooms are, not just to our diet, but it sounds like to the entire ecosystem. So I hope that you enjoy this week's podcast. Please let me know if you have certain guests that you would like to have on the show and you'd like to hear from and give me some feedback. What do you like? What do you not like so much of? Um, and also please rate and review my podcast. I would really appreciate it. I would love to get more listeners and grow this little podcast and get these really fun interviews out into the world. Thank you for listening. And now on to the show. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio, Jeff Chilton, who is a mushroom man. I am so excited to have you on and to learn all about mushrooms today. Thank you. I'm really uh, happy to be here, Dr. Yami. Okay. Well, I just want to get started right away. I want to know, how did you become a mushroom man? Well, I was born in, in the Pacific Northwest out here. I was born in Washington State, and in Washington State, we have uh, evergreen forests, Lots of water, lakes, rivers. It's just a beautiful spot. And we get a lot of rain in the fall. This, this, I mean, right now I live on Vancouver Island and this is a rainforest. And so as a rainforest and with our, our climate here, it's just perfect for mushrooms to grow. So during the fall, mushrooms are everywhere. And when I was growing up, I, I saw these mushrooms all around me. I was somewhat fascinated by them. And then as a child of the 60s, I was in uh, university in the 60s, and you know, we also experimented a bit with magic mushrooms. So this, this actually, actually became my field of study. I, I studied anthropology, and I was really interested in other cultures and ultimately how other cultures used mushrooms. And so I studied uh, shamanism, the use of mushrooms in native cultures, and, and it was going on in Mexico, which was really interesting to me. And so that was my field of study. And when I, when I left university, of course, you know, there's no jobs in anthropology. So <laughs> my, my, my ecology professor, uh, and I studied mycology at university, he said, well, there's a mushroom farm that's close by. And uh, I went down to that mushroom farm and I applied for a job, which I thought, wow, growing mushrooms would be really, really interesting. That is just fascinating. 
So I went down there and uh, I got a job and I literally worked on that mushroom farm for the next 10 years. I, I was living with mushrooms for 10 years. Wow. So you really do know all about mushrooms because that's oh. the first question my dad had. He's like, ask him if he knows about magic mushrooms. <laughs> my dad's probably around your age as well. So who knows yeah, yeah. what he's experienced as far as mushrooms go. Yeah. Well, tell us, what what is a mushroom? Because it's not a vegetable, right? So what what's the definition of a mushroom? Well, I'm glad you asked that because a mushroom is, of course, a, a fungus. It's part of the fungal kingdom that's uh, in between us as uh, um, mammals, uh, humans, and, and of course, uh, plants. So the fungal kingdom, that, that's where the mushrooms reside. And what's really interesting about it is that mushrooms do not have seeds. When we think of, we think of plants and, and how do we want to grow mushrooms? Well, with plants, we just have a seed. Mushrooms have spores. And that's the beginning of the life cycle here is the spore. So the, the spore germinates into a fine filament called a hypha. The hypha grows out in nature, in the ground, or in a piece of wood. And that hypha comes together with other hyphae and forms a network. That network uh, is uh, called mycelium. Mycelium is actually the vegetative body of this fungus. So the mycelium is what is growing in nature. We don't normally see it because it's underground or it's in a piece of wood, but the mycelium is there and it's the part of the fungus that is decomposing all the organic matter around us. Mm. Without fungi out there decomposing all this organic matter, we would just be buried in it. So it's, it's, primary role to some degree is decomposing things and also it amasses nutrients. So this mycelium, this fungal mycelium out there is amassing nutrients. And then when the time is right, it will put up a mushroom. Now the mycelium is called the vegetative body. The mushroom is what we call the fruiting body. Mm. So what we have, the fruiting body comes up, the mushroom comes up and then it produces spores. And that's when the life cycle is completed so what we have here is we have a spore, we have mycelium, and we have the, the mushroom. And these are the three stages of this fungal organism. And, you know, what's interesting is, is a mushroom is what we call a uh, perfect form. So fungi are, are in different forms. One of the forms would be, would be uh, this kingdom of what we call basidiomyces, which contains mushrooms. And there's a whole other part of that, which are imperfect fungi and those are the fungi that are out there and and they do not produce a perfect form which is a fruiting body mm. they're just out there in the mycelial form so they're out there and and again they're decomposing and it's the imperfect fungus and sometimes you'll hear about uh, penicillin being a uh, fungus and in fact it, it is and it was uh, basically discovered in a petri plate by uh, Dr. Alexander Fleming back in the 30s. He discovered it, and it was essentially uh, a fluid that was being produced by what you might call a mold. And it was actually, actually, this mold was a contaminant in his Petri dish. Now, those molds are out there as well, but we never, we're not really aware of those molds because those molds are, in fact, uh, imperfect. They don't form a fruiting body, whereas the mushroom 
the uh, that actually will will form a uh, uh, that is the fruiting body. That's what we see. So when we're out there wandering around in the woods or something, we will in fact see this mushroom growing, and that's like okay, that's what we're keying in on, right? Because that has something that we can. It is something that we can eat. Right. And so do the spores come off of the fruiting body or do they come off of the mycelium? The fruiting body, the mushroom itself is what produces the spores. Okay. And, and what's interesting is the spores are, are um, there are billions of spores produced from every mushroom. I mean, billions of spores. And, and it's really fascinating because I, I, um, I contract and grow all of the mushrooms that we use in my business in China. And right now, the spores of reishi mushroom, they are actually worth more than the mushroom itself. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and this, is, this is something where, where there's no real scientific evidence that they're, they're actually of great benefit because a spore, for one, has a, has a uh, shell that we cannot digest. So if we just eat spores, it will go right through us. Right through. Mm -hmm. However, what they've done over there is they've actually put them through a process where they crack them. Mm -hmm. Now, can you imagine cracking a spore that's like microscopic? We can't even see this spore, right? And, and uh, so um, they will take a mushroom, a reishi mushroom that's growing up, and they will, as it matures, they will put a shroud around it. So if you can imagine a mushroom coming out of the ground and somebody has taken paper and shrouded it, and at the very base of that, they have put a, a plastic bag and the spores drop out of that mushroom into the bag. And at the end of that, that production period, which is about 30 days, as this reishi mushroom is maturing, you actually have about 500 grams of spores. Wow. That's more than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I, I, was, I was absolutely shocked when I saw it. But now many, many of the reishi mushroom farms in China will collect the spores. And when you see that bag and it's filled with all those spores, I mean, literally 500 grams of spores, that's, that's actually heavier than the mushroom itself wow. and and to me it's like to think that this this one mushroom can produce 500 grams of spores and we're talking now we're talking like i mean it could be uh, a zillion spores for that matter yeah so basically fungus really is all around us because if these spores weren't being captured, they were going all over the place. They were going everywhere. And it sounds like they're very important to the ecosystem. Because like you were saying, if we didn't have this mycelium breaking stuff down, we'd be like buried deep in organic matter. So that's super, super fascinating. Well, and, and you know, I, I think what, what we don't really understand is that the, the air we breathe and the air around us is filled with microorganisms, yes. I mean, and spores. We can't see them. I mean, we can see stuff in the air when it's a particulate, like say dust or something, right? But uh, um, that there's bacteria, there are all sorts of uh, uh, fungi, the spores, um, all sorts of microorganisms in that air. And then you know what, that, that's important for our immunity. The yes. fact that we're breathing these things in, you know, it's almost like 
Like, you know how Dr. Yami today, the Yami today, the um, everything seems, everybody wants things to be antiseptic and, 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 oh yeah, you have to wear gloves and you see people in some cities in the world, like in Japan or something, and people are wearing gloves, they've got masks on and you think this is not healthy. Mm-hmm. It's like the whole idea of putting your child out there when it's young and going, okay, go play in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, there was an expression at one time that said, oh yeah, we all have to eat a pound of dirt. And, and it's so true. I mean, we have to, that builds up our immunity. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you brought that up because I, I talk to my patients all the time about how we are constantly exposed and bombarded with microorganisms, bacteria, viruses. So if our immune systems didn't work, we wouldn't make it through a day. I mean, we would be deathly ill by the end of a day if we did not have functioning immune systems. Um, so that is, that is great. And it also reminds me of how important it is to go out in nature because when we are inside and we are living in these buildings, and it really is, I mean, there's no mushrooms growing on my ground here in my exam room. So going out in nature, going for hikes, getting out there and getting exposed to all of these different microorganisms actually contributes to our health. And as we're probably going to talk in a little bit, our gut microbacteria as well. So that is very, very important for our health. Before we go on, I want to bring up one more thing before I forget, because I find this interesting and I want to ask you about this. You had mentioned earlier that there's a lot of things that mushrooms have in common with humans. And one thing that I learned a few years ago as I started teaching cooking classes is that mushrooms have the ability to produce vitamin D. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes, I can. And in fact, uh, thank you for bringing that up because I don't know why my mind went blank, but basically mushrooms produce glycogen Mm -hmm. like humans. That's a storage carbohydrate. You know, the storage carbohydrate for plants is starch. And, and that's very important as we go through this, uh, our, our talk here. I'll bring that up later because it's a very important part about what I want to talk about today. But um, um, yes, yeah, so, so, so um, <laughs> the question you just asked me was... Vitamin D. Vitamin D. And, you know, uh, mushrooms have a compound in them called ergosterol. Sorry. Can you start over? I had my phone on silent, but I guess somebody broke through. Mushrooms have a compound in them called ergosterol. Ergosterol is um, similar to our cholesterol. So ergosterol is a sterol in there that, uh, you know, like us, it, it's uh, in all of our cells and it, it gives it elasticity and things like that. Well, ergosterol is actually a precursor to vitamin D. Okay, so now mushrooms in and of themselves do not have um, a lot of vitamin D, very low in vitamin D. But when you expose fungal tissue to sunlight, UV, that ergosterol changes into uh, uh, ergocalciferol, which is vitamin D2. And even if you even if you take that a dried mushroom that you've just bought and expose it to the sun for 15 or 20 minutes, that will actually raise the vitamin D level of that particular mushroom. Or or if you even take a fresh mushroom that you just bought, if you want if you want to um, raise the vitamin D level of that fresh mushroom, slice it up, lay it out, put it out in the sun, let it sit there for 15 minutes. And of course, you know the more surface area of that 
mushroom that you can expose, the more you're going to get. So just putting a, let's say a button mushroom out there, well, it's not going to do much because there's not a lot of surface area on that one mushroom. But if you slice it up, you will get a significant amount of vitamin D. Now, what, what's happening is that some companies now are actually exposing mushrooms to uh, a UV light. Uh, they're even selling them. I've, I've seen mushrooms in the marketplace now that say enhanced vitamin D. Here's what's really interesting. Um, I, again, I was telling you, I contract for all the mushrooms that we grow and sell in China. In China, when they harvest their mushrooms, they very meticulously lay them out caps up and they're normally open um, and they lay them out on screens and then they put these screens out in the sunlight to dry. That is the common way that they dry mushrooms in China so that all of those mushrooms that they're drying out in the sun are basically the vitamin D content and all of those is in fact increasing. Mm. Uh, but here's, here's the thing that is so unfortunate is that like everywhere, um, countries that at one point are doing things in what we could call a very natural way, today in China, they're starting to, to uh, dry all their mushrooms inside in forced air dehydrators. Okay. And of course, you know, that, that part of that is a, a matter of food. We, we kind of look at food and go, oh, gee, you shouldn't be drying those mushrooms out side because who, who knows what's going to get on them and things like this. It's going to be much cleaner to put them into a box and run forced air in there. So in a sense, they're just doing nothing more than adopting what we do over here when we dry something out. We don't put it out in the sun to dry. Um, you know, how many people do you know now that still dry their clothes in the sun? Nobody. <laughs> a little bit more difficult if you're living in a condominium complex, though, even though it's funny because in China, in those large buildings, people have drying racks outside on their little tiny decks. Mm -hmm. Well, that's so cool. So once, so even if you get ones that are dehydrated, and I buy dehydrated mushrooms because I love them, it's easy to cook with, you can put them outside and you can get some more vitamin D formation even after they're dried. Yes, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I, I find so that cool. just totally fascinating. And, and I, I suppose that that one could even either slice them up or, or powder them and put that powder out there and, and the same thing would happen. That's one of the things that right now we are exploring. We want to take our products, we want to run them under UV lights and, and come up with a, a high vitamin D product. And the thing about it is, is that, that, you know, vitamin D3 all comes from uh, lanolin. Mm-hmm. Now, now, a lot of vegans would go, okay, I can't take that because it comes from sheep, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this is a plant-based source of vitamin D. Uh, we've done stability tests on it, and uh, initially, there's a, a significant drop, but then it stabilizes, and the vitamin D stabilizes in, in the mushroom powder. I, I just think uh, anytime we can get our vitamins or any nutrients for that matter, they should come from our food first before we supplement. I mean, that, that for me is, is a very important principle is get it from your food first. If you're lacking or if you decide that you're not getting enough of what you need, then, okay, look at supplements. But food, food is medicine. 
that's very important principle. And I'm sure you're well aware of it and probably practice that because that that's the first line right there is, is our food. That's where we get to our nutrients. Absolutely. And that's the perfect segue into my next question. Tell me about these beneficial health properties of mushrooms. Why should we care about mushrooms? Why should we eat more mushrooms? Mushrooms have a cell wall that is in general over 50% what's called beta-glucan. Beta-glucans are are, um, compounds that they've done a lot of research on and the beta-glucans have immunomodulating properties. So every mushroom will have these beta-glucans in its cell walls. The cell wall of mushrooms is also made up of, uh, of chitin. Chitin is a structural carbohydrate. Um, it's, a, it's kind of like cellulose. Um, that chitin, and we can talk a little bit about that as well, uh, because it's fairly important for mushrooms. But the beta-glucan is the primary compound in mushrooms that will give it the benefits that we're looking for. And the major benefits of, of mushrooms come from, it's an immunological, it's a, an immune system potentiation. And, and the way I look at it and the way I think we should look at mushrooms in general is that um, mushrooms are key to prevention. You're not going to take a mushroom and tomorrow say, oh, gee, that cold or flu that I felt coming on is gone now because I took that mushroom supplement or something like that. That's not how mushrooms work. Mushrooms work in the background. They're part of, uh, in, in terms of what we would call immune potentiation, they, they uh, when we consume mushrooms, or, or um, they will activate immune cells. They will activate macrophages, helper T cells, natural killer cells. That's what they do. They, we actually have receptors in our uh, uh, small intestines, receptors specific to beta-glucans, which, which is interesting in itself. And, and there's different theories about why, but we have receptors there. So the mushrooms are going to hit those receptors and, and they will activate if we need them. Um, they will be there working in the background. Uh, so really, that's the way I look at it. There's a lot of science around beta-glucan. And that's what scientists have focused on is, uh, and they've done a lot of in vitro, a lot of uh, in vivo experiments with beta-glucans to demonstrate the fact that they will activate these immune cells. Uh, In Japan, they've even produced an actual drug from a mushroom. And this drug is primarily used as an adjuvant for cancer therapy, um, whether it be radiation or chemotherapy that you take it with, it helps you to, helps your immune system to cope with the fact that it's being torn down by the chemotherapy, let's say, or the radiation. So, so that's really the primary place and the primary role that, that mushrooms play and these beta-glucans are what's important. And, and here's something about the beta-glucan that, that is interesting. It's like, well, if, if all mushrooms contain beta-glucans in their cell walls, why aren't they all medicinal? Well, the fact is, is they are all medicinal, but some are uh, more medicinal than others. They're, they're more powerful than others. And that has to do with the actual architecture of the beta-glucan. The architecture of those beta-glucans 
just varies a little bit. Uh, they're all they're all what are called beta one three one six glucans, and that's very important. These are the these are the beta glucans we're talking about. There's other beta glucans that are beta one three one four or beta one four beta glucans, which do not have this same level activity. For example, cereal grains have beta one four glucans, and you think, oh yeah, cereal, cereal grains have beta glucans too. They do. They're considered to be beneficial, but they do not have the same level of, of immunomodulary uh, um, activity that mushrooms do. So the mushrooms that we look at as being the most important ones, whether that be reishi or shiitake or maitake, they have this specific structure that gives them more activity than some of the other more common mushrooms that we may eat as food. There are that, that's just sort of one of the major things uh, that mushrooms will do, but that is what what I consider to be the primary reason why mushrooms are medicinal. So basically, what you're saying is that mushrooms have this unique kind of property with the beta glucans that we can't find very much in other foods, and that's why we should work to include them. And I know that Dr. Joel Furman, which you've probably heard of before, he's been on my podcast in the past. He has this acronym G-BOMBS of foods that we should try to include in our diet every day. Um, greens, berries, onions, and then the M is for mushrooms, beans, <laughs> and seeds. So he encourages daily mushroom consumption because he feels that these mushrooms have unique properties that we would be lacking if we didn't eat those or consume them on a regular basis. I have well, a question about consumption before we move on. Sure. Because I have heard from some places that you can get some toxins from eating mushrooms raw and that it should be cooked. Is that true or is that a myth? Well, you know what they're referring to actually is um, they're referring to a compound called agaritine, and it's a hydrazine compound, and it, it occurs in primarily in a genera of mushrooms called agaricus. And, and the, the most popular mushroom in North America is the white button mushroom that we see in the supermarkets, and that is an agaricus species, and that does contain agaritine. Uh, the agaritine is degraded by cooking, but you know, it, it's still kind of, the, the research is a little bit mixed and, and it, the amount of this agaritine compound in the mushroom, if you were to eat raw agaricus mushrooms in your salad occasionally, I don't think that would really be uh, something that would be a problem. I, I, and Dr. Agaritine is a mutagen and, and I don't think, uh, you know, as we age, I don't think the mutagen is going to hurt us too much compared to maybe somebody who's younger, but the fact is, is that, uh, you know, I, I, sometimes that gets overblown a little bit by people who just don't like agaricus or something, you know, <laughs> and I, you know, it's funny because I've heard that from, from, uh, people that grow, let's just call them specialty mushrooms and they'll point to this and they'll say, you know, be careful about that one. And, you know, it's a little bit of fear mongering and, and, uh, but the fact of the matter is, is yes, they contain this hydrazine compound, um, you're probably better cooking your mushrooms anyway. I mean, that's, that's probably the best thing to do with most mushrooms is to, is to cook them. Uh, speaking of cooking, this is something that's really important that I try to, to teach people about, and that is whatever you do, cook mushrooms in a hot pan. 
Do not cook them in a pan that's that's too cool because what happens then is that all the fluid just drains right out of them. And the next thing you know, you've got these soggy mushroom slices in a pool of water. <laughs> what you have to do is, and what I do is I, I'll cook them in butter. People can cook them in whatever, whatever oil that they normally use. I cook them in butter, a very hot pan, and I want to brown them up. Um, don't, don't slice them too thin. Keep them at a, at a reasonable, you know, maybe a, I don't know, an eighth of an inch or three-eighths of an inch or something like that, or, or a quarter of an inch. Um, and, and brown them up. I, I like to cook them well. So, and, and as you do cook them, the interesting thing about mushrooms is they start to shrink. And you're like, oh, my God, I, I put two mushrooms in now. It looks like I can't even see them anymore, right? So, so brown them up on either side um, and, and I put a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper on them. Uh, they barely make it out of the pan for me. It's like they're very delicious. But why do you think people are always saying, oh, yeah, mushrooms, they're soggy, they're slimy, they're awful? Mm -hmm. Because they're not cooked properly. Well, I love mushrooms, and I, I try to eat them as often as possible. I buy, um, like I said, these big packages of dried mushrooms from Costco, which is good because you can have access to them all year round. But there's some people that they just detest mushrooms. I mean, I, I do cooking classes, and a few of my classes have mushrooms, and there's some people who are like, oh, I just can't stand them. So I'm curious. How many varieties of mushrooms are there? Because I'm assuming that here in the United States we get – the, the button mushroom, cremini, um, portabella, and maybe people have only tasted those and maybe they haven't been cooked properly, but I'm sure there's many, many more. How many varieties of mushrooms are there? And if somebody believes that they hate them, should they keep trying? Well, you, you know, there's, there's thousands of varieties of mushrooms, of course, but in terms of the actual mushrooms that are in the marketplace, there's probably, you know, in the United States, there might be six to eight. Uh, depending on where you live, if you're out on the West Coast, we have a lot more than maybe the East Coast. But but in the major metropolis, there will be at least six mushrooms to choose from. Um, so really, the variety. I mean, I started growing mushrooms commercially on a very big farm in 1973. In 1973, the Mushroom Growers Association was still trying to convince people why they should eat mushrooms and and this is the funny thing um in 19 well we had a japanese scientist on the farm i worked on and he was growing shiitake mushrooms he was growing oyster mushrooms and he was growing enoki taki mushrooms so i was exposed to these other mushrooms right then and, and watching and working with him as he was growing them in 1978 we introduced fresh shiitake mushrooms to the local market. Fresh shiitake in 1978 was absolutely unheard of. I think this was the first time in North America that fresh shiitake was in the market in any quantity. Um, it flopped. Mm. People just did not buy them. And the reason was that they were used to daguericus. We're still at a time when mushrooms are not widely accepted. And they, believe it or not, they actually... The, the response was that these mushrooms are too strong, too strong a flavor. Mm. Shiitake mushrooms to me are the, the most wonderful mushrooms out there. I love shiitake. They're my 
absolute favorite mushroom. And I, and I, I like almost all of the different mushrooms. I, I, you know, I, I like them all. And if I can be in a place in my community here, I, I don't have access to all. It's a small little community access to, I have access to maybe, well, agaricus and shiitake, occasionally oyster mushroom, but that's about all. If I get fresh shiitake, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in there and I'm grabbing them by the handful and putting them into a bag. You know, other people, because of the cost or something, they might be in there like, okay, I'm going to take one or two little shiitake mushrooms. I'm like by the handful. And, and uh, um, so, so it's, it's just interesting. And, and when everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Here's another thing that, that is very interesting is that mushrooms were always considered to be nothing more than a garnish. They were considered to be something that you put in for flavor. The reason was that classical nutritionists looked at mushrooms and said, there's no calories. <laughs> if a food has no calories, then it's not really a food. It's kind of a non-entity. So, so part of the whole program for the mushroom growing community was, look, mushrooms are a good food. Mushrooms have 20 to 40% high quality protein. Um, they have this large, they're largely carbohydrate. The majority of that, 50% of that carbohydrate will be beta glucans. They have good levels of potassium and phosphorus. They have B vitamins, riboflavin, thiamine. Um, they're just a good food, period. And, and it's something, in, in a sense, you know, in a sense, we could almost call mushrooms the missing link, right? <laughs> That's what's missing in our diet. And, and when you go to Asia, there are at least 12 mushrooms to choose from that are in the marketplace. And in season, there will be certain wild mushrooms in the marketplace. This is just standard common food, and they're eating mushrooms almost at every meal. And sometimes when, I, when we're going out to dinner, and, and, you know, in China, what happens is, is first of all, they bring you 12 plates of hors d'oeuvres, and it's all in a lazy Susan, which is really cool. So the, it comes around, and you, you get to uh, choose from the hors d'oeuvres, and then they bring plate after plate after plate of main courses. So there might be 12 different main courses in a, in a dinner. And of those 12, three of them might have mushrooms in them. A couple of them might be just mushrooms, shiitake cooked in a certain way, or Anogi talkie. Um, sometimes when they're traveling around over there, because I'm going to, I'm, I'm visiting the farms that produce for us, and I'm with my uh, partners over there. When we're at these farms, they just grab some, whether it be my talkie or she talkie, they just grab them right while they're there and they stick them in a bag. We take them out to the, let's say we're going out to lunch that day, we go 
they take them right to the restaurant. They give them to the people at the restaurant and say, here, cook these up for us. So we're eating those mushrooms immediately after they've been harvested. That's the kind of culture that they have over there in terms of mushroom consumption. Wow. My mouth is watering, but I love mushrooms. <laughs> and I want to piggyback on what you said, because as a cooking instructor and as somebody who helps people obtain a healthy weight and maintain a healthy weight, I feel like mushrooms are perfect because what you were saying is they are actually low in calorie density, meaning you can eat a bunch of mushrooms for not very many calories, but they're high in nutrient density. So you're getting this like huge amount of nutrients that are going to help you prevent disease and feel great with not very many calories. And they have this amazing texture. So especially for my community, my listeners, many of them are plant-based vegetarians and vegans. This is a great substitute for that chewiness that you might miss from meat because you can make them that way. I love putting them in chilies and soups because you get that nice texture. And, and you're right. If you cook them properly, I feel like mushrooms are a delicacy. And I'm lucky because here I live in Yakima, Washington. We do have a mushroom farm and they have these delicious oyster mushrooms that we can get at the farmer's market. And I feel very spoiled, but you're right. I'm the kind that I grab them by the handfuls and I eat them as soon as possible. So definitely well, you know what, my mouth water. You know what I do I do is is when I when I cook a hamburger, I'll, I'll chop up some onions, I'll chop up some mushrooms, and I will mix it all together. So it's rare for me to make a, a hamburger without mushrooms in that. And right now, what's interesting is that a lot of food companies are in fact putting mushrooms into their their uh, ground round and selling it as as such and in fact even even if when you go out to to certain restaurants these days they will even have mushroom burgers where they'll take a big uh, portobello or something and slice it up and and uh, uh fry it and that's that's your burger inside there uh so so yeah they're they're very versatile i agree the texture is great have you ever had uh enoki taki no. Enoki Taki are those, those packages. You, you sometimes see them and they're, they're vacuum sealed and they've got this, uh, uh, a number, hundreds of these all packed together of these long, slender, yellowish or whitish mushrooms inside. They have a little tiny cap on them and they have a long stem. And let me tell you, Dr. Yami, they are so delicious and the texture is crunchy they're like noodles and you you open it up and you strip them off and you throw them in and and cook them up and it's like these crunchy delicious noodles wow i'm definitely going to visit you on my way up to whistler so just have all the mushrooms ready <laughs> yeah well, I, that's interesting i'm glad you reminded me that you're in yakima because for some reason i had uh, you know and i knew that but for some reason you know a lot of uh, times i just think oh yeah they're back in Toronto or New York. <laughs> no, little old Yakima, Washington. Yeah, Yakima, Washington, a nice little place. I grew up in Seattle, so I've been to Yakima many times. So as far as nutritional benefit, is there a reason to eat fresh rather than dried? So if somebody only has access to dried mushrooms, is that still giving us nutritional benefits or should we try as much as possible to eat them fresh? Well, you'll still get the nutrients in the dried mushroom. I mean, there's no problem there. And, you know, the, the key thing is that 
the the package of dried mushroom hasn't been sitting there for five years or something like that, right? And and, and you know what? Um, those packages, I, I'm assuming you're mostly talking about dry shiitake, um, which are are quite common in you know a lot of markets, especially if you have a, a an Asian market somewhere in your community, you'll have a lot of packages of dried shiitake here in Vancouver. My God, you go down into Vancouver Chinatown and you can get dried mushrooms, every type of dried mushroom there, including wild ones. And so it's a very, very solid market for that. You know what? I, I think generally speaking, getting our food fresh is, is, is the best way to go. But, you know, let's face it. It's like even, even if you're growing your own food in, in, at harvest time, you can't possibly eat it all. And oftentimes you can't uh, can at all drying I mean, like fruits and things like that. My God, dried fruit and things like that are fantastic foods. You being in the fruit bowl over there, having all those apples and all the rest in, in Yakima and, and peaches and you name it. I mean, man, dried fruit is, is wonderful, but yeah, dried mushrooms, no problem. The nutrients will stay there. They will not degrade really the beta glucans, all the minerals and vitamins will, will certainly be there. So no dried mushrooms are just fine. Awesome. So whichever form you can get it, just eat mushrooms. So this is a question I get a lot is organic versus non-organic. Do you feel like it's important to try to get organic mushrooms? My company has been organically certified since 1992. I totally believe in the organic movement. I believe in organic food. In 1997, I took one of the major organic certifiers from the United States. I took them to China. We had the very first organic certification workshop for mushrooms in China in 1997. I, and here's, here's what, what's really interesting and, and what you should know is that, is that in terms of supplement use, which is what we sell, we sell mushrooms as, as nutritional supplements. You cannot grow mushrooms in North America and sell them as supplements. And the reason is it's fairly simple because uh, you can, I can grow mushrooms. I can go and I take them to the market. And let's just say I can get $10 a pound for my fresh shiitake. Mushrooms, like most vegetables, are, are 90% water. The minute you dry them out, now instead of $10, I have to get $100 for that same pound of dried shiitake. It simply doesn't work when you're selling as a supplement. Supplements are dried powders. So economically, it does not work. I realized that back in the 90s. And, and in 1989 was the first time, that's when I established my business. And that's when I actually went to China for the first time. And, and I traveled around all through the 90s in China. I visited farms. I visited research institutes. I went to conferences. Um, and I established contacts there for growing and purchasing and processing the mushrooms that I would later sell in my business, primarily because I, I knew as a mushroom grower, I mean, I'm a mushroom grower. I know how it works. I know the economics of it. It simply doesn't work. You can't grow mushrooms in North America and sell them for supplement use. You can sell them for food. No problem. It's a fresh product, but you can't do it for supplement use. So that's something that's uh, really important to understand, especially when it comes to the supplement market. Yeah. So, you know, like you said before, as much as possible, we should get our nutrients from food the natural way through, you know, what we're eating. However, some people might benefit or consider taking a supplement. So as far as the supplements that you produce in your company, Namex, 
what, who would benefit from these supplements and what do they do? Well, I mean, different supplements or different mushroom species will have a little bit different um, activities. They all, again, share these uh, immunological benefits. So you'll be getting that no matter what. And that will be a very broad spectrum type of benefit for you. Certain mushrooms, like, for example, uh, people maybe have heard of cordyceps. Cordyceps is a really interesting mushroom. It's called caterpillar fungus. Mm-hmm. It, it grows up in the the, the um, highlands of Tibet, and it's it used to be wildcrafted, and it would be basically a caterpillar uh, overwinters, and during the wintertime, it gets uh, attacked by a fungus. The spores germinate. They they consume this caterpillar over winter, and in the springtime, it pushes up a little a little mushroom. Wow. Um, that caterpillar fungus has traditionally be used, been used for neurasthenia. So people who are weak, uh, fatigued, coming out of an illness, they would use cordyceps. So that was the primary use in traditional Chinese medicine. And, and you know what? That, that's where that's where we kind of look for guidance. What is it? How are these things used? What what a traditional use of mushrooms? That's what I do in my business. I, I you know there's 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 literally there's a book that was published in China called Icons of Medicinal Mushrooms. There was 272 species of mushrooms that they said had medicinal benefits. Oh my God, I can't possibly be selling 272 different species. I looked at them and went, okay, what are the major species? What are their benefits there? So, so that's really the, the key thing. What are the, the major, the, let's say the 10 major medicinal mushrooms? Cordyceps is one of them. Another one would be a reishi mushroom. A reishi mushroom was a, it was called the, the mushroom of immortality because it, it was, it had more than just the beta-glucans. So reishi have what are called triterpenoids. Triterpenoids are, are compounds that, that are very important for liver cleansing, uh, blood cleansing. That's where they use them. Uh, triterpenoids also have uh, anti-tumor properties. So the reishi mushroom was a key mushroom for that. If you have liver problems, Reishi would be a perfect one for you. Um, another mushroom out there is called lion's mane. Lion's mane right now has become very, very well known because it it does what's called um, it will stimulate um, uh, neurite growth. So as you age, you know we have a little bit, you know, like. Uh, memory problems like I've been experiencing today. <laughs> um, and, and so the, there's something called nerve growth factor and nerve growth factor is what will produce these uh, neurites. And as we age that kind of the growth of new neurons sort of goes down. So they've used this in China for many years for dementia for uh, memory loss. There's actually a really interesting clinical trial that was recently done in Japan where they had two groups. And, and, you know, clinical trials are really, uh, we don't have a lot of them when it comes to herbal products. They're too expensive. Nobody wants to do them. So this is a clinical trial, Thirty, a group of 30 elderly people and a control group, which was great. They gave the um, one group three grams, just three dried grams of this lion's mane mushroom. And they gave them a battery of tests. After 30 days, they gave everybody the same tests. The people in the lion's mane group showed higher, um, higher scores on these tests. Okay, that, that was really interesting. 
the most interesting part was after they stopped taking the lion's mane, they tested everybody again after 30 days. The people that were taking the lion's mane, their scores dropped back down. Mm. So lion's mane right now is being used and being promoted out there a lot for uh, dementia and memory. And, you know, I, I think the important thing is not to expect these benefits necessarily, again, overnight. Uh, also, just because science has said, okay, this is what's happening, don't expect that all of a sudden your memory is going to come back or your dementia is going to go away. That's not how these uh, types of supplements work. There's you should definitely look at putting, if you can, lion's mane is something that is is actually on the West Coast. We have fresh lion's mane in certain metropolises. Put lion's mane into your diet mm -hmm. uh, um, and, and maybe supplement it if you, if you feel like it. See if it, it helps you. They've also shown some, some uh, benefits with MS with lion's mane. The other side of it, too, is, is look, these are, are, uh, these are food products. These are things that people have consumed for a long time. Don't worry about, you know, oh, gee, how, should I take only, you know, two 500-milligram capsules? The problem in the supplement market today is everything is designed to be um, a bottle with 60 capsules. Why? Because they tell you to take two a day, so it's a month's supply. And then, and that's for a lot of things that is just simply doesn't work because you, you're not taking enough of these things. So th that's where, for one, if you're putting it into your diet, you can actually, I mean, I, I weighed out a agaricus button mushroom the other day. One medium sized agaricus button mushroom was 40 grams. Wow. Yeah. I, I was shocked. I thought 40 grams. So I thought, well, you know, when I eat agaricus, I, I'm like a minimum. Like last night, I, I had a, a steak, and I usually have mushrooms. I, I chopped up about 10 agaricus, and the, each one was probably, you know, they're a little bit smaller than that. It might have been 30 grams. That was 300 grams of fresh mushrooms. They shrunk down. I was like, are these going to make it through the end of the meal? <laughs> so, That's so cute. so I guess what I'm saying is, don't be shy, you know, don't, don't under consume, <laughs> make it happen. So, so lion's made is a mitaki, a lot of immunological benefits. Shiitake, immunological benefits also has shown some properties to, to lower cholesterol. I'm not sure what that means anymore. Okay. Maybe it uh, helps promote uh, um, your uh, high density versus your low density. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, positive there, but, but you know, those are those are the primary benefits I would say from from eating these mushrooms and the different mushrooms. And so those are mushrooms that you'll you'll have in the marketplace that you can you can get. You know the lion's mane, the maitake, the shiitake, uh, even the agaricus is good. Reishi, of course, is more of a specialty. You might not be able to find it in Yakima. Um, maybe you can. Maybe that's there. Certainly in Vancouver, you go into Chinatown. There's boxes and boxes of reishi. Um, when you're, when you're looking for reishi mushroom, the boxes a lot of times will be black reishi. Hmm. Black reishi is all wild crafted. It's got, uh, reasonable levels of beta glucans, but it does not have the triterpenoids. Triterpenoids primarily come from the red reishi. You can tell because when you chomp on a red reishi, it's bitter. Hmm. The, the black reishi will not be bitter. It'll be a bit mild reishi. Essentially you chop it up, you, you put it in, you make a tea out of it. You can brew this on a 
simmer for three hours, pour the fluid off, brew it again for three hours, pour it off. When it stops turning colors, you can toss it, toss the fiber and drink the tea. Wow. Interesting. So whenever you make your supplements, are they whole food supplements? Are they just mushrooms that have been dried and turned into a powder or are you taking extracts out of these mushrooms? Well, here's, here's one of the issues that's going on out there is that what we do and what's traditionally been used is the mushroom itself. So what we do is we will take the dried mushroom, we will process it once through a water extraction, we'll concentrate the fluid down, then we'll take all of that mushroom powder and the concentrated fluid, we'll send it off to a spray dryer and it will dry it to a fine powder. We just sell powders. So you will have this fine powder, but it will have, there'll be nothing lost because we haven't, we haven't thrown away the fiber. Mm. When we concentrate them more, what happens is, well, if we concentrate them, let's say four kilos of dried to one kilo of, of uh, um, the powder of the concentrate, well, that doesn't work. You can't get, uh, you have four kilos will not go into one kilo. You have to, at some point, uh, and, we'll, and we'll process them three different times with the water extraction. So at that point, we consider the fiber to be spent. Mm-hmm. So we'll throw the fiber away. But when with our, with our primary extracts, which we call the one-to-one, the fiber is still in that product. And I like the fact that the fiber is still there because that fiber actually will work as a prebiotic because that's one of the things in a mushroom that is, is really wonderful. And that's what I was saying earlier about the chitin. The chitin locks things up a little bit so that it's, so when uh, um, we're consuming mushrooms, they're not fully digested. So, so because of that chitin, so, it's going right down. It's feeding our microbiome. Mushrooms are a great food for the microbiome. And, and you can imagine they're not just feeding them. The microbiome is uh, extracting the nutrients and feeding us. Uh, but we've also got uh, beta-glucans down there as well. So, yeah, on, on that level, um, the fiber is very good. But what, what I want to alert you to, to also is the fact that I was telling you about the fact that mushrooms cannot be grown in the United States and sold as uh, a supplement because the economics aren't there. In the United States, what's happened is that companies now will actually grow the mycelium instead of the mushroom. They'll grow the mycelium, but what they do is they grow it on grain. So they'll sterilize grain in an autoclavable bag. They'll they'll um, inoculate it with mycelium. And in a laboratory, they'll grow out the mycelium on the grain. And then at the end of the process, they will harvest all of that and uh, dry it and grind it to a powder, grain and all. Mm. What, what we have found, and one of the things that I really believe in is I believe in um, analysis. I believe that you know, we, can, we can blend science and tradition together, and that's important for me. We analyzed all of our products, and one of the things that we analyzed for is beta-glucans. Mm-hmm. What we found was that these products that are manufactured mycelium on grain, and we found that what, what, what we have there is very low beta-glucan and very high what's called alpha-glucan. Alpha-glucan is starch. Well, 
think about it for a second. Mm -hmm. You're growing it on grain. What do you expect at the end of the process, right? But a lot of starch. Mushrooms, as I was telling you earlier, do not contain starch. They can contain um, glycogen. Mm -hmm. And the level of glycogen in a mushroom in the test, it also shows up as the alpha-glucan in our test. It is normally around um, 2%. Mm -hmm. So when we analyze a mushroom or a mushroom extract, what we have is we have uh, alpha-glucan at approximately 2%, and then we have beta-glucan from 25 to as much as 50% mm. of the mushroom. And, and we've, what we've done is we've got a dried mushrooms that we'll use as a baseline. This is what is in a mushroom. Here's the baseline for beta-glucan and alpha-glucan. Well, <clears throat> these myceliated grain products, they're the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. They're low beta-glucan and very high alpha-glucan. The alpha-glucan is all the starch from the grain, and, and they cannot separate the two. In China, they actually grow mycelium in large tanks. They call it fermentation technology, and then they will separate the mycelium that they've grown out from the liquid, and they'll have pure mycelium. Over here, growing it on a solid substrate like grain, what that ultimately means is you end up with mostly grain. And, and I liken that to, um, are you familiar with a food product called tempeh? Yeah, of course. Yeah, tempeh. Well, that's exactly what's, what's being sold is tempeh. It's, it's, tempeh is fungal mycelium grown on cooked soybeans. Yep. And it's a very cool product. I mean, you know, you cook, you crack, you cook these soybeans, you put actually mushroom spores for uh, an imperfect fungus, actually. It's not a fungus that produces a, a, a mushroom or a fruiting body. It's imperfect fungus. It grows out really quickly, uh, the, the tempeh fungus. So like in two or three days, you have this, the, these soybeans that are covered with white mycelium. It's a really interesting product. But... What happens is, is that's what they're doing in the United States, these companies. They're growing this fungal mycelium on cooked grain. But the problem, Dr. Yami, is that they sell it as mushroom. Mm -hmm. And that's the issue. The issue is, look, you want to sell this product, fine. doesn't matter. But they sell it as a mushroom. So if you go into the store... And if you buy one of those products, it says reishi mushroom, shiitake mushroom. It shows a picture of a mushroom, and it's not actually mushroom. Mm -hmm. It's actually mostly starch from the grain. And, and this is something that is just simply not right. Uh, mm -hmm. um, if you, you know, people go in and they think they've got a mushroom product. I talk to people all the time about that. I go to trade shows. And, and can you imagine? I don't know if you've heard about a trade show. It's called uh, Paleo FX. And it's for people that are really into paleo, you know, I mean, there are a lot of people out there that grains, it's just like no way grains, right? That's not me, but, but, you know, a lot of people are trying to remove grains from their diet. When, when I meet them at this paleo show, which a lot of these types of people, and they say, oh, I'm taking a great mushroom product. And I ask them what brand, and then I tell them, well, guess what? That's mostly grain starch that you're taking. A little bit shocked. They're not <laughs> happy with that, huh? <laughs> no, not happy at all. So whenever you make your supplements that that you turn into a powder, how are people consuming those? Are they taking them in capsules or are they putting them on their food? Well, both. Um, uh, you can do that in capsules. We actually have a, a small line of, of uh, retail products that, that we sell 
online only, um, and they're bulk powders. And, and we encourage people, you know, they were developed by my son, who's, who's much younger than me, you know, sort of like you, you're that younger generation. And he's making up a smoothie every day. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, doing his alchemy, putting this in, putting that in. A lot of people are doing that now. So we've put those out in pouches, bulk powder, take as much as you want, mix it into a smoothie. Some of them you can uh, create a tea out of. So that is certainly one way. And, and you know what? Um, you can also take these powders and, and sprinkle them on your food as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, a dried mushroom powder. It's, it's like it's like take that shiitake, those dried shiitakes, mill them up into a powder, sprinkle them on things that you're making. That's a wonderful flavor addition to those things. I mean, I love the, the texture and stuff too. It's, it's great. But that's just a, another sort of supplement to what you're doing there in terms of uh, having that mushroom powder. Yeah. And that was my next question because it is more whole. And you said it's, it's retaining its fiber, which I really like. Fiber is definitely my favorite F word. Um, so is it, it still has the flavor of mushroom. So people that can't stand the flavor, is it still going to be difficult for them to, to eat that? What? People can't stand the flavor? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't get it either, but there are some. <laughs> no, the flavor, is still, the flavor is still there. Absolutely. I mean, I mean <laughs> that's what's so interesting because I, I was telling you about these, uh, my CDA grain products, and they don't have a mushroom flavor. You know, they have a grain flavor. Mm-hmm. And some of the companies that sell these products actually say, if you can believe it, they actually say, look, the wonderful thing about our products is they don't taste like mushroom." what you know i just i don't understand how anybody could say that right but 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 somehow they can sell that to to companies as okay yeah you can put it into whatever it is and there won't be that mushroom flavor there isn't that great i'm like no that's not great at all we want that mushroom flavor right each mushroom has its own very specific flavor that is so that's one of the wonderful things about the different mushrooms right Mm -hmm. each one has a unique flavor and shiitake, I mean, eat shiitake, everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I say. Well, and that's kind of the point I was trying to get to earlier is that there's so many different kinds. If you don't like one, try another and make sure that it's cooked well. Make sure it's cooked properly so that you can get that flavor. You've got oyster mushroom. Oyster mushrooms have very delicate flavor. Mm-hmm. It's not nearly as strong as some of the others. So that that's a perfect one if you're not really into mushrooms flavor-wise, but Man, shiitake, how can anybody not like shiitake? You know what? In, in Chinese, shiitake is called shanggu. That means fragrant mushroom. Mm. Yeah, I love it. I think it's delicious. <laughs> Me too. Well, it has been a pleasure learning from you today, Jeff. Can you tell us where people can find out more about your company and the products that you sell? Well, if you go to namex.com, N-A-M-M-E-X.com, come to our website. We have a ton of information there. We're really rich in information. We've also got a couple of slideshows where you can go visit the mushroom farms where we grow our mushrooms and uh, just everything you can imagine. We've got the information there uh, for you. And, and also, if you want to uh, try some of our mushroom products, as a consumer, you can go to what's called our, our site that's called realmushrooms.com. Oh, so, awesome. Yeah, real mushrooms. And 
that's real mushrooms. We don't have myceliated grain. <laughs> nice. Okay, final question. What personal habit are you most proud of? How did you develop it and how do you maintain it? Well, I guess, I guess more recently, what I would say, a couple of habits, one of which is I do a uh, one hour a day weight workout. Mm. I, I actually bought a, a, one of these kind of weight machines. <laughs> machines, there's so many machines, right? <laughs> <laughs> I bought it about 20 years ago. And, and, you know, you have to get into it and onto it. And, and uh, every day, that's part of my routine is, is I spend an hour with that machine and, and a couple other exercises that don't involve the machine. That's been very important to me to maintain just muscle tone. I'm not, I'm not like a bodybuilder or anything like that, but just muscle tone. I mean, as you reach a certain age, if you don't do some kind of workouts, you lose your muscle tone and, and that's not me. I don't want to do that. Um, that's very important to me. And that's a habit the, the problem I have is that when I travel and I travel a lot, all of a sudden it's like, uh Oh, I've got some exercise bands. I keep trying to, to get into a routine with them so that when I'm on the road, I'm going like, okay, time for an hour of the exercise bands. I haven't got there yet. It's still something that I'm working on, but, but that's very important to me. I also, the other thing is, is I do my very best to get out and walk for at least an hour a day. And here in Tofino, I can walk to the beach and back, and that's an hour to two hours, which is, Fantastic. I feel like I have to keep moving because you know what happens, uh, Dr. Yami, is that in today's world, we all spend too much time in front of our computers and we're all sitting down too much. And that's what everybody will you know, tell you that sitting is really not good for us as humanoids. <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't designed to be in a chair, right? So, so those two things. The other thing I... When I was younger, I smoked tobacco. I was a cigarette smoker for maybe 20 years, and I finally quit in the 90s, and I've never looked back, and I don't desire one or anything like that. I, I, I basically, right now, my food is my medicine. I do some supplementation with reishi mushroom in the morning and my coffee, which I really like. Uh, but otherwise, I just you know, <clears throat> try to stay active. Uh, wow. mentally and physically. And that's, that's my story. That's awesome. Well, you definitely sound like you're a very fit guy getting your hour of weights, one to two hours of walking and eating your mushrooms regularly. So well, I know that you'll be around to tell us a lot about mushrooms in the decades to come. So thank you so much for your time today, Jeff. I really appreciate it. And I hope that you have a fantastic day. Uh, thank you so much. I really loved uh, talking to you and I love what you do. I saw your website and your, and your, uh, site on Facebook. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website, at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at facebook.com forward slash rocketsurgeonsmusic. Also, for more information on my work, you can find me at facebook.com forward slash veggiefitkids or you can email me at veggiedoctor 
V-E-G-G-I-E-D-O-C-T-O-R at VeggieFitKids.com. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and contact me if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day. We're having broccoli. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.